are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is Tuesday, October 27th, and joining me from the very start of the episode today is one of the co-hosts of Locked On Spartans. It is Will Hunter, and we are here to commiserate about maybe not so good times in East Lansing, at least. A little state of the program, as we had one of the bigger shockers of the Big Ten opening weekend, Michigan State losing to Rutgers. Well, to me, it's important in tough times to check in with your friends. So really, in essence, that's what I'm doing here today with this episode of Locked on Big Ten. How are you doing? Before I answer that, um, you saying maybe not so good times. Mm. You don't have to do that. Okay. We well, we know. Like, okay. just let it fly, Ben. You don't have right. to be gentle. Like, we get okay. it. Yep. We're, we, right. we know. Um you can't see me. We're on Zoom right now. We usually do the video thing. My uh, laptop camera is not working, but uh, I am wearing what I would describe as a sad hoodie. No, oh. um, I am the type of person who, when I am sad, I wear a hoodie and mm. I wear the hood up and the hood rarely ever comes down. And I just walk around and mope with oh. my head concealed by a wonderful hoodie. And I've been rocking a sad hoodie for the last couple of days, Ben. I'm glad I can't see you because that might break my heart. That very (laughs) image of you with your hood up looking sad and moping around would really be tough for me. So I'm glad that Zoom is having some technical difficulties right now. At least we have this audio because podcasting in its nature is an audio medium. So that's okay. So you say not so good times. I would agree with you. On yesterday's episode, the overreaction Monday episode to the first weekend of Big Ten football, I said that Rutgers win on Saturday is more evident of Michigan State being very, very bad than it is of Rutgers possibly having an exciting season of three, maybe four wins in the Big Ten. I think it says more about Michigan State than I do Rutgers. So I ask you, Will Hunter, in all the breakdowns that you've been doing, you're writing your newsletter for Spartans Will now as well. What happened? Uh, Michigan State had nine turnovers. Nine? Seven turnovers, two turnovers on downs. You got to count wow. those. No one counts okay. those. The word turnover is literally in the word, Ben. Turnover I, I on downs. It's a turnover. Uh, you know, it's a drive that doesn't end in points or a kick. That's a turnover. Um, and I do want to say one other thing real quick, and then we can get into it. I'm literally mm-hmm. wearing my, my over-the-ear headphones over my hoodie right now. That's how dedicated <laughs> I am to the sad hoodie. Sad hoodie lives strong, man. I like that, though. At least there's dedication in that. If only Michigan State players could have been as dedicated on Saturday. Go ahead, Will. You were saying, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things went wrong uh, when you kind of look back at this. And I've gone back. I've rewatched most of the game. I'm almost done charting it. I did a film room thing uh, up at Spartans Will, which you mentioned. And the this is far and away the, the, the primary factor in this is the turnovers and the uh, everything else kind of falls in behind that when you have, even if you want to just go seven traditional turnovers, they lost five fumbles through two interceptions. The turnover margin there was Rutgers plus four Uh, in college football and football turnover is worth about five points generally. Uh, And so quick math, that's 20 points there. And if you want to add in the turnovers on downs, that's another 10 points, nine turnovers to three turnovers. Like it's a turnover margin of, of plus six for Rutgers. You're, I don't care if you're playing like a high school team, you're not going to beat them by turning it over 
that many times. Michigan State punted the ball. This is there's so many wild fun stats from this. Not fun, wild weird stats. Michigan State punted the ball to Rutgers, and then Rutgers took over possession after the punt one time the entire game. One time they that punted it. They That's punted insane. it twice. Once Rutgers fumbled the punt, the other time they fair caught it, and that was it. They punted twice and scored 27 points against Rutgers. It was just um, a nightmare black swan event. And this isn't to like excuse them, because if you put the ball on the ground six times, you deserve to have the other team come up with five of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, you know, Michigan State also – with the turnovers, a lot of bad turnover luck. This is something I went over a little bit in my film room. A lot of self-inflicted wounds, certainly. Um, but generally speaking, when you fumble the ball, like a fumble in football, each team has like a 50-50 shot over a big sample size to recover it. So right. you play 10 seasons of football, you fumble it 100 times, you should recover 50, right? Gets weird with little sample sizes, but that's sort of the baseline. And then mm-hmm. every four passes defended by the defense – should result in one interception. So the defense gets their hands on four balls. One of those should be an interception. That's just sort of how the stats work out. Um, So there's eight fumbles in this game. Rutgers gets five. Michigan State gets three. That's a two turnover swing there. A little bit of bad Mm -hmm. luck. And then Rutgers defends three passes, picks off two. Bad luck there. Michigan State defends four passes, only picks off one. The turnover margin in this game should have been Michigan State plus like 0.25, right? Which isn't a real thing, but it, it should have been negligible. And right. it ends up Rutgers plus four. So that's that, that's where you look immediately. And then you get into, okay, they also played poorly as well. I mean, those analytics are very true. And I think what you're saying there about the idea of turning the ball over and some turnover luck going poorly for the Spartans really rings true throughout that game. Cause as you're watching it, as a fan sitting down and watching on Saturday, as you're looking away from Nebraska, Ohio state at times, that was tough to watch. It was a sloppy mm-hmm. game. It was that way from the start. Now, will I have to ask, as we have joked about on this podcast, as you and Matt have been talking about all summer long on your podcast on locked on Spartans, we have said, this is year zero of Mel Tucker. Mm. It has been an incredibly odd off season for everybody, but further complicated for Mel Tucker, who of course came in in the middle of February, took over things in East Lansing, didn't get to meet his players for a couple of months. Is this what happened on Saturday, the loss to Rutgers? Is that a clear indication of Mel just having a weird off season? Or do you think there's something more at play here? Um, I was probably a combination of both. Um, it at times definitely looked like a team full of inexperienced players learning a new scheme. There's just miscommunications guys, not going to the right spot in the blocking game. Uh, guys looking confused, not having the right amount of people out there. Like, you know, just sort of typical spring game scrimmagey type mistakes. And, you know, they didn't have spring practice and they had the weird fall camp get cut off and, and all that. We know that. So there were definitely times where that was the case. And you're like, all right, that should get better, right? Rocky Lombardi's first interception was a miscommunication with his receiver on an option route. The receiver ran a streak. Rocky threw a comeback. It's a pick, right? That stuff yeah. happens when you're learning new things. Guess that has a good chance of getting ironed out, something like that. However, you can't at the same time post videos on social media and Instagram with the coach 
yelling at the players, ball security is job security. <laughs> and then have them put the ball on the ground six times the very first game. That That's a tough look. Yeah. Um, I don't think that specific, like they're not going to put, they're not going to turn it over that many times again. And if they do like Mel Tucker might just be cursed person. Right. Uh, but there's a little bit of like concern when there's some, you know, you talk about the energy change and the culture change and the coaching platitudes and they just kind of seem flat. There's a, a moment where Michigan state had an interception, a really big moment. And the defense came back to the sideline, like walking through a mortuary. It was just, they were very, tame and I was like oh let's okay let's maybe get excited a, a little right. bit um there's not it's tough to take anything long term though from a single game like check back in a month which I'm sure you will and I'll let you know like more of a, a better evaluation and I don't know I don't want to make it seem like it was just all terrible because uh, I want to address your your Rutgers comment from earlier because I think you're being unfair to them um, I'm being unfair to Rutgers you think they're better than I think they are you think yes. they're like more than a two, three win team this year? I think they could win three games depending on their crossover, maybe four. Really? They have, Illinois, they have Maryland, Illinois, and Purdue on the schedule right, right. now. And then whoever they cross over against, um, I don't know. It's, it's tough because they're already playing <laughs> Illinois and Purdue. Right. Um, but Northwestern, I know Northwestern looked really good. Let's make sure they have some time to prove it because that was Maryland. Um, and I know we're jumping into other stuff. Iowa looks okay. We'll see. They, I think they're going to struggle to move the ball. What I'm saying is Rutgers is no longer a laughing stock incompetent. They're just like normal bad now. Like, okay. They're, 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 they're not going to be good, but they're like a normal bad team. And as we're discussing with Will Hunter of Locked On Spartans right now, this year, Mel Tucker is kind of like a mechanic. He's trying to find the best bits and pieces for his car, his car being the system and the program that he is building at Michigan State. If you're looking for the best pieces and parts for your car, the best place to go do that on the entire internet is the convenient self-service you can receive at rockauto.com because rockauto.com is a family-run business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Real Mechanics, Mel Tucker is a football coach. He's not a mechanic. Real Mechanics will tell you to go to Rock Auto because their catalog is so immense that you can find whatever you need with an increasing number of makes and models. You can find whatever you need right in front of you with a few easy clicks at rockauto.com. From engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need. Again, in a, just a few easy clicks, delivered directly to your door. It couldn't be more simple at rockauto.com. And best of all, at rockauto.com, the prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You never should. That's a dumb question. You never have to at rockauto.com. So go there right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you here from the Locked On Podcast Network. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto, rockauto.com. Week one of the Big Ten football season is over, and I feel like we're moving. You know, we're trying to recalibrate a little bit after the performances, some of the surprises, the upsets from week number one. We're trying to figure out everything that's going on with the Big Ten. It can leave you feeling at times like your head spinning in circles, like you're on the go, 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 trying to understand what's happening with Big Ten football. In your life, if it's work, it's friends, it's family, it's a million pressing things you need to get done throughout the day, whatever keeps you on the go, 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 just make sure you take the time for yourself. You take some time to relax, and you take some time to hit that reset button and to chill. And when you do, there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. 
as we get ready for another weekend slate of Big Ten football. We have week three game times, but as we get ready for week two, all starting Friday night with Minnesota and Maryland, we're going to be chilling out once again. We're going to be watching our favorite Big Ten teams. We're going to be sitting on our couch. We're going to be relaxing, and we're going to be chilling. And we're going to be doing that with a beer that is made to chill, the official beer of watching your favorite team, that is Coors Light. Coors Light is brewed in the Rocky Mountains. Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is literally made to chill. It's in its DNA. Like in the DNA of Big Ten football, it's running and making sure we have a strong front seven and punting the ball really effectively and having all three phases fire. That is also the case for the DNA of Coors Light. It's Rocky Mountain cold, it's refreshing, and it's the beer literally made to chill. It's the one that I choose when I'm watching Big Ten football, when I need to just hit that reset button for a moment, when I need to chill, I reach for Coors Light. And it's even better because I don't have to reach very far because I get Coors Light delivered directly to me so I can put it in my fridge when I go to get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light in its new look delivered right to my door. Again, get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light in its new look delivered straight to your door. Get that done before Saturday so we can celebrate responsibly, we can enjoy Big Ten football, and we can have the beer that is literally made to chill, Coors Light. I looked at the game with Rutgers, and I thought I was impressed by Noah Vedral, who I have been covering since he was in high school in Wahoo, Nebraska, and I know how talented of an athlete he is, and obviously he's the story of best, following. He's, he's yeah, go the ahead. best quarterback they've had in a long time. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full stop, and it's a huge difference just to, like – how many times was it Rutgers has three quarterbacks combined three of 18 passing for seven yards and five interceptions. And yeah. it happened twice a year. Like it's, it's, that is night and day. And that really matters. Yeah. And always feeling like a revolving door. Like last year you looked at Art Sitkowski and Johnny yeah. Langan, who got a little bit of shine on Saturday against the Spartans, but it was always like, who's going in, who's playing, who's doing what. And that never worked out. And it almost seemed that when Greg Shiano was hesitant to name his starter up until kickoff on Saturday, maybe that's what he was thinking yet again. He even alluded to the fact he could be playing two quarterbacks, but as the old adage goes, if you got two, you don't have one. I've always been high on Noah Bedrill. He's a talented athlete. He was one of the Nebraska players that played for the Nebraska basketball team during last year's Big Ten basketball oh, tournament in that game. <laughs> yeah, he was one of those two guys. Like, he's a really talented athlete who played in that spread system with Scott Frost at UCF and then transferred mm -hmm. back to Nebraska and just lost out to Adrian Martinez, who at the time was playing spectacularly. But I always thought, this kid is very talented, and he showed his dual threat nature with both some good throws and using his legs on Saturday against the Spartans. But overall, I wasn't overly impressed by what Rutgers was doing. I thought a lot no. of it was just more sloppiness on Michigan state. And then Rutgers was able to take advantage of shorter fields after those nine turnovers where Michigan state also did a pretty good job on defense. They held Rutgers to only 276 yards total and forced three turnovers themselves, but they really didn't capitalize on that. They had a turnovers on down in the third quarter when they were in striking distance, when Noah Bedrill got picked in the second quarter it was 21, seven, Michigan State can only convert with a field goal there before the half. So mm -hmm. I just thought it was more so Rutgers taking advantage of a short field, but overall and how they would play against the rest of their division, which obviously is very difficult. And then maybe even some of the crossover games, Illinois looked terrible too. So you might have a point there, but I just didn't really see Rutgers being like, oh, this is a turnaround right now for Greg Shiano. It was more like, uh-oh, things are not good in East Lansing. Yeah, I, 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 it's fair. Michigan State was just terribly sloppy and like, and beyond the fumbles and the turnovers, a lot of really poorly timed penalties as well. Like after mm -hmm. the interception, they take over in the 30 and then they're back on the 45, like two plays later. Like, right. Oh, great. This isn't going to go well. Um, I, I think you're, I think you're not being kind enough to Rutgers. I think okay. you're letting 
I, I think they're they're gonna be okay. I was impressed with how competent they looked compared to previous and, and like the transfers are replacement level Big Ten players, which is a vast improvement true over what they had. We'll see. And I, again, I don't think they're gonna be good. I think they're gonna be bad, but like normal bad. And Illinois looks to be quite bad. Maryland looks to be quite bad. Michigan State looks to be bad as well. I'm not saying I'm not here gonna I'm not here defending Michigan State. Um, but I think you're being too harsh on Rutgers. I will say that. That's fair. Somebody said that to me on Twitter today. I have love for Rutgers. I mean, I'm very close to Rutgers with where I am now. They're the closest Big Ten team to me. And like you, I agree with what Greg Schiano is doing, already getting the transfers in with Big Ten experience. And when you look at the recruiting rankings as well, Greg Schiano is the guy to get it done in Piscataway. And I do believe in the positive momentum he's creating. I just think that, okay, Rutgers, you're right. You know what? I'll agree with you. Actually, in the essence of what you said, (laughs) Rutgers has gone from just a laughingstock automatic win to, okay, they're just not a great team, but they're going to be competitive. I'll give them that. If if you screw around and have a minus four turnover margin, they can beat you if you're not a good team. They're not going to do that to the top three or four teams, but like they're playing Indiana. They're a 12 point dog. If they, if Indiana screws around, Penix throws two or three interceptions, they're putting the ball on the ground. Rutgers is going to stay in that game till the end. Now, Indiana could easily put them away because they're better. They're just significantly better. Mm-hmm. But Rutgers could hang around if Indiana sits there and screws around like Michigan State did. And Indiana is significantly better than Michigan State, I would say, right now, which isn't uh, necessarily a hot take. I love all of the opening takes coming out of the first week, but truly week two will be what is more evident about where a lot of these teams yeah. stand as we get into this big 10 season. If Rutgers comes out and is competitive against a really good Indiana team that obviously pulled off the monumental upset over Penn state, then it's like, okay, Rutgers might be able yeah. to play and be competitive. And you're right. That schedule very favorable for the Scarlet Knights. When you have Maryland who looks terrible, when you have Illinois at home, who doesn't look very good either, maybe, Maybe for Rutgers. I, That's, you know, like, well, that was a good job. You deflected off Michigan State. And I'm proud of you for on that. Rutgers. You did really, really well. <laughs> New Jersey fans are going to love this episode tomorrow. So before we end things up here, I want to get your overall thoughts on the Big Ten, on what you saw yeah. in the first weekend of play. Um, and one more thing real quick on Michigan State. Uh, defensively, okay, cool. I think they're going to be, like, they give up 30, 38 points to Rutgers. You alluded to the yards. After the opening drive, which was a really nice drive by Rutgers mm-hmm. and, and a ton of credit to Greg Schiano for going and hiring Sean Gleason, who is really good. He's going to be a, a great offensive coordinator and a, a good head coach in short order. That guy is smart. Very After that so. drive, though, like, so you, there's this thing at Michigan State, even the great defenses, you'd get them on the first drive and then they'd sort of like download the offense and make adjustments and go from there. After the first drive, Rutgers had 3.3 yards per play the rest of the game. And last year, Ohio State's defense led the country, giving up 3.9 yards per play. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's Rutgers, and we got to have the context in there. It's still not a great offense, not even a good offense. Maybe they can be average this year. It's still like a nice performance to, you know, you bounce back from that shell shock opening drive and you force a couple turnovers and you really stifle them down and hold them down and every other score except for one was set up by the offense or special teams incompetence. So I think the defense can kind of keep them in things. The offense is going to be like from a football standpoint, a long-term concern. They've got issues on the offensive line, had a couple guys out. We'll see if they come back and make an improvement, but if they're not going to be able to like run consistently, they throw it. Okay. They have good receivers. Um, but you, you worry long-term about the effectiveness of the offense. And it could be kind of a repeat of 2018 and 2019 with less mm-hmm. talent on both sides of the ball, 
which you go from being a 500-ish team to a team that's going to win maybe two or three games. And I think that's sort of like a fair and accurate representation of, of what they are. And then if, yeah, if you turn it over seven times against anyone, you're going to lose because you just can't make up the difference because you don't have the guys that they had in 2014 or 2015. He's giving you more thoughts about Michigan State than you probably even wanted to know about Michigan State, but that's what Will Hunter does. He also gives you some overall thoughts about the opening weekend across the entire Big Ten Conference. That's all coming up next. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we get your Big Ten thoughts overall real quick, I did want to bring up one final point about Michigan State because Rocky Lombardi didn't look bad, but the run game was mm-hmm. horrendous. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what that was. You mentioned some missing pieces along the offensive line. Was it that? I was banking on the fact when I was predicting this game and previewing it that Michigan State would rely on that defense, which would keep them close, mm-hmm. and then the run game would probably do the rest, and they had 39 total attempts as a team for only 50 yards on the ground. So what happened there? Uh, the interior three, the guard center guard, it didn't matter who it was. Uh, They used five guys in those three spots, got absolutely killed the entire game. Mm. Matt Millen was making a big deal of the, they call it a a cocked nose tackle where they line up instead of square to the line parallel, they kind of cock in. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. It's ironic. It truly is ironic. This is a correct use of the, of irony. Uh, One of the people who helped invent that scheme about that alignment, like mean Joe green did it in Pittsburgh, his defensive coordinator at the time who helped him create that uh, George Perlis. Michigan State head coach football legend. His name is ah. everywhere. Like you'd think, if anyone, <laughs> right? A little bit of irony there. So they really struggled with that. Uh, Rutgers was using two noses, funky alignments, doing a really good job of mixing up fronts and stunting. And you had two guys, former top sixty recruit Fonte Dobbs, who's a redshirt freshman, was on the sideline, and then Luke Campbell, a redshirt senior, who is when he's healthy one of their better offensive linemen, uh, both those guys were out. So, you know, maybe missing a, a starter, perhaps two in that unit uh, and the middle three just got crushed the entire game. Like Eli Collins, who yeah. didn't start by the way, which is a whole nother thing, uh, rushed for almost a thousand yards last year, got an eight carries for zero yards for the game. He had back-to-back carries where he had seven yards after contact. Mm-hmm. Those runs lost two yards. <laughs> He was hit five yards behind the line. Next play hit four yards behind oh. the line. Gained seven yards after contact and still lost two total yards. Oh, my it was, God. It was that. It was that kind of day. That Because I was banking on Elijah Collins, who had a really good 2019, yeah. to come out and look yeah. solid against this Rutgers defense. And then, yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, my God. There was a couple times, too, where I was like, okay, when they got to 28-20 midway through the third, I was like, okay, all right, enough mm-hmm. of that. Like, here we go. Fine. Yep. Like, yeah, it'd be a close game. We'll remember, oh, my God, they turned the ball over, but Michigan State's going to win. And then it just never happened. So before we let you go here on Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Big Ten podcast, your overall Big Ten thoughts away from East Lansing from what you watched mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, and Friday. Oh, um, and Friday. Yes, of course. Graham Mertz might have been the most impressive player in the conference. Um, 
I know. I mean, Ohio State, we just take them out of the question when we talk about things like this. It's, it's Ohio right. State. And then we can talk about everyone else. I know Michigan wants to push into that conversation. And Wisconsin maybe felt like they could until Mertz. Uh, did he – did they follow up with a positive, his second positive? Or do we know yet? Not entirely. Paul Christ okay. had his press conference today yeah, earlier this vague. on on Monday, and he said, I'm not going to speak on COVID due okay. to whatever. So we yeah. don't know necessarily. If Mertz is still in, like that changes everything for them. If he's out there on their third string quarterback and forget about it because they can't run the ball yet. They'll figure it out, but they can't run the ball yet. Right. Um, Ohio State class of their own. Michigan certainly impressive. We don't know how much Minnesota was missing due to COVID. We know they mm-hmm. were missing some linebackers, some guys on that defense. Uh, but it's you can't not be impressed with what they did. I didn't get to see much of the first half because we were recording. Um, but I know, like, I, from what I saw, they were running the ball really well. Uh, they've done a really good job replacing a bunch of professional linemen that they lost last year. And right. Joe Milton is incredibly talented and looks like he'll be good enough to get through it and be productive while he sort of figures out the nuances of playing quarterback at a really high level. And that's bad news for everyone else because – He's really talented. So I think Michigan's right there. Wisconsin with Graham Mertz could be right there. Uh, Iowa, Purdue, close game, different teams, but kind of similar level. Uh, I really want to see Purdue with Rondale Moore back and, and of course, with Brown back. Uh, great job by them, though. Iowa, they might struggle to move the ball this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think the West is going to be I, – I don't know. I, I, we'll see about Minnesota, but I think if – the West could be really bad, Ben. It is. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't want, I'm trying to like beat around the bush. The West could end up being quite bad. Northwestern, if that's really Northwestern, could be the team to win it with Mertz being out, with Jack Cohn being out for Wisconsin. If Minnesota's like having a, taking a half step back, it, it could be a real struggle. Um, in the West, out East, Indiana and Penn State, I think are similar in terms of like their quality. Like Panax didn't even play well. And Indiana really? was no. still hanging in there. And then the last mm-hmm. drive was like, oh, there's Mike Penix. He's back. And they just marched down the field easily on them. Micah Parsons, Journey Brown, like those losses are, are huge for them. So I think it's really, it's like Ohio State's in a tier of their own. Uh, Michigan um, is in that next tier. And then, you know, Ohio State, or not Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern are probably all bunched together there in that next group. And then everyone else is kind of really, it's like negligible. Like maybe Maryland's in its own separate tier right now mm-hmm. because dear God, was that unimpressive. And if you want to throw Michigan state down there right now, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to argue, but I think by the end of the year, they'll be like, yeah, we're not quite that bad. We're just normal bad. Right. Um, but I think it's, there's a, a big jumbling of mediocre teams, three, four, pretty good teams. And then just, an elite team that is going to swamp everybody this year. Cause Ohio state, they weren't that clean and they still handled Nebraska and Nebraska looks improved. They looked better, but they right. still got handled in it. Like even when they, they threatened, it was like, no, this is nice. I'm proud of you, but no. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it's, you almost like feel bad. Like you guys are really giving it. They're right. still going to lose by 28 and then they're going to score a junk time touchdown to cover the 28, and make it 35. Yeah. Like that's exactly. just what it's going to be. It was so funny too. And everybody's 
overall thoughts about the Nebraska Ohio state game when people were hyping up the Huskers and saying that they look competitive. I did the same thing. I've heard the same thing across the conference really on Monday as we reacted to that opening weekend. And then at the end of the day, Ohio state still put up 52 points and won by a crap ton. I mean, that is how good the Buckeyes are. So before we let you go, finally, final, final question, as we look ahead to Saturday's matchup between Michigan state and Michigan, is there any shot for the Spartans? Any? Mm. Okay. (laughs) like 2%, 4%. Uh, I mean, they're, they're like 24, 25 point dogs. Uh, I think that's a little high. I thought it would open at 17 and move to 21, but it like opened at 21 and moved to 24, 25. So I, you know, it's, it's tough to, I don't know. Michigan absolutely blew them out last year and it, it could definitely go that way. I will say 2016, Michigan was a 24 and a half point favorite. Uh, Michigan State was terrible, went three and nine that season and still kept it relatively close. I guess that's like the best outcome is like lose by 10, lose by seven, you know, right. be competitive. I'm honestly just looking for improvements. Like let's, let's see something less sloppy. Let's see some competence. Let's see an offense that knows what it wants to do and tries to do it. Even if it doesn't work, knows what they want to do and tries to do it because they looked like they didn't know what they wanted to do on Saturday defensively I think they'll get beat up a little bit but they'll have some some stops as well they'll hang in there um you know keeping Michigan in like the mid 30s would be nice like lose like 35 to 20 yeah 35 to 23 I'm fine with that that would be a, a really good performance in my mind for the Spartans I mean that would be a very solid comeback performance in a way although they probably won't get the win over Michigan yeah. on Saturday but anyway yeah. Make sure you listen five years ago, Ben, don't forget that five years ago, they're in the playoff. And now it's just don't get blown up by Michigan. I mean, the records, how could we ever forget Mark D'Antonio? He would, you know, he was there. He did it, but now it's a little bit different because he's not there and he wanted to make $4 million and then kind of screw over the program. But again, we're not, it happened fast, right? It was just a quick time movement. It's fine though. Mel Tucker's there. Mel Tucker can recruit. Things are going to be okay. I do believe that. And you, as you heard Will described throughout this entire episode here on the Locked On Big Ten show, the way that he surmises teams of being like really bad versus like just normal bad, I think that's a really great estimation is how we will approach the rest of these early portion of the Big Ten season. So again, Will Hunter, one of the co-hosts of Locked On Spartans. How's your other co-host, Matt, doing? Being a new dad. Is he okay? He's very tired. <laughs> he's he's losing it, but he'll, he'll get okay. Like, you know, once the kid starts settling into a routine, you'll get to sleep a little bit more. He'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure. He's I mean, I, I was still glad to see his pregame photo, at least holding a handle of fireball before Saturday's <laughs> opener against Rutgers. That warmed my heart. I was like, okay, we're good. We're fine. He at least it. we're like a little it. bit normal. And you, I hope you can take off the sad hoodie pretty soon. I hope things turn around oh. in East Lansing. That is my hope for you, Will Hunter. Truly, truly. We'll see when they play Maryland. <laughs> I might have to get That's, a sad hoodie tattooed to my head. That might be it. Maybe, but hopefully, I mean, the Terps look terrible as well. Again, oh, Will Hunter, one of the co-hosts of Locked On Spartans, the writer. Terps might be bad, founder, bad, bad. Yeah. Oh, no, they're bad, bad. Oh, I think they're the worst team in the Big Ten right they're now. Not, I, I don't think they're you. normal, bad. I think they're bad, bad. <laughs> I'm trying to give you your little send off here. I know. Because I know, we can't see each other. I know. Not but I'm, we got to get you out of here too. It's almost bedtime. Not for you, but for your son. It is. It is. We're doing a terrible job. Okay. I will stop talking. Okay, here we go. Three, 
two, and one. And again, Will Hunter, one of the co-hosts of Locked On Spartans, also a great writer and the founder of Spartans Will, a newsletter where he's breaking everything down analytically like you heard him here today about Michigan State football for this 2020 season. Will, thank you very much for your time. Get the hell out of here. Thanks, Ben. Leave all that in. Leave it in. So many thanks again to Will Hunter for coming on today's episode. Give him a listen and Matt Sheehan on Locked On Spartans, keeping you updated with everything you could ever want to know about MSU sports, even throughout what might be a very tough football season. But they keep you engaged. They're the most entertaining guys that I know when they come on this podcast. It is some of the most fun I have on every episode of the Locked On Big Ten podcast. Speaking of episodes, tomorrow we will take an early look at weekend two of the Big Ten football season. The games that mean the most. Obviously, there's one. We go more in-depth on that on Thursday's two for episode as we will throughout the Big Ten season but tomorrow some of the impactful games some of the games that will really teach us what we need to know as we get to week two about these Big Ten programs across the entire conference so that is coming up on tomorrow's episode so until we get to tomorrow have a splendid Tuesday Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.